go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Man, Kurt, another wild, wild Steelers win. We were just talking before we started recording. The Steelers are 7-0, and it doesn't feel like it because all of these games are so crazy, and this one against the Ravens, right up there, too. I mean, what did Big Ben have in the first half? Like 24 yards passing, and nothing's going yeah. right. They're down by 10, and they find a way to win, like they always do. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 7-0, matching the best start in program history. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's, it's nuts. I mean, I guess on one hand, you can look at it and go, well, this is the mark of a championship-caliber team. They find ways to come back and all these sorts of things. But basically, it was a a flip of the week before when against Tennessee, they come out, they score a ton of points, then they kind of have to hold off Tennessee at the end. This week, they come out, can't do anything, and come out in the second half, make all these adjustments, and then Baltimore couldn't hold them off at the end. So it's just, it's crazy. Like I said, it it doesn't feel like they should be a 7-0 team the way they've had to just just fight and claw to get these wins every week. But, you know, every game counts. Like Ben said after the game, it's not always pretty, but the, the wins all count the same. There's no other team that's undefeated right now, so they got that going for them, and uh I think the schedule's setting up for them, Kurt. I want to get to that later on in the program, but the schedule is setting up nicely for the Steelers to continue this little win streak. But we're recording right now on Tuesday night. The uh, NFL trade deadline just passed. And one of the things I do love about the Steelers, it seems like every year when the Steelers have a need, they go out and address it. This year, they lose Devin Bush. They're trying to figure out that linebacker piece, and they go out and they acquire linebacker Avery Williamson from the Jets. So he goes from just a winless, disgraceful franchise to the Jets <laughs> with Adam Gason, oh, just hating life to being an undefeated Pittsburgh Steeler. So that's pretty sweet for him. And I know you like this guy, and you wrote about him before uh, the Steelers ended up actually making this move. So tell me why you like this pickup for the Steelers. You know, I liked it primarily because he's a three-down linebacker. You know, I like Robert Spillane. I like what he brings as far as a, a physical guy. And I know last week he got the pick six and, you know, the, everybody made a big deal about that. But I think re- realistically, we know he's more the guy that's going to come up in the hole and hit Derrick Henry more than the guy that's going to pick off passes. So right. I like the fact that Williamson gives them a little bit more athleticism back there. It also is going to make their sub package defense better. Last week, you saw Pittsburgh going with three outside linebackers and dumping an inside linebacker to the bench. You know, they're bringing Alex Highsmith, the rookie in to play some inside linebacker on passing downs. They were having to rotate in uh, Marcus Allen, who's a, a college safety who, who they converted to linebacker just this year. I think having Avery Williamson in there, I, I don't think he's going to start necessarily. I think I would assume that in base defense, Belaine will still be the guy. But I think he gives them a, a little more consistency when it comes to going to nickel and dime. They aren't going to have to plug in guys and figure out where they can fill holes, especially if, if Mike Hilton doesn't play again this week. That really hurts them probably more than people realize when Cameron Sutton has to come in and play that nickel corner. And then you've got Justin Lane, who really hasn't played a whole lot coming in to be that dime corner. 
I think they can they can work with that a little bit better with Williamson out there on third down. You know, he's a tackling machine. I think he had 120 tackles two years ago or yeah, in 2018. Then he missed all of 2019 with a torn ACL. Came back this year and he's been a little sketchy in coverage. But when you play for the Jets, I mean, it's got to be hard to get excited to play football every week. So no doubt. I really don't hold it against him that he hasn't had a great start to the year. But he does a little of everything. He gets some sacks. He gets some interceptions. He defends passes. Yeah. I just I think he's a nice player. He's a rental. They're not going to sign him to a big contract at the end of the year. He's a he's an unrestricted free agent. But it's like I said after the trade, the Steelers got themselves a highly motivated football player for a million and a half dollars, and they're probably going to get a compensatory pick back in the fifth round after he leaves for free agency. So they're going to get the pick back that they traded away anyway. Brilliant. It, it seems like a brilliant move. It, it doesn't cost them a lot, and uh, yeah. it, it gives the Steelers a chance to continue to. Uh, compete for this number one seed which is which is huge this year and what do you what do you like about the defense against the Ravens because this is a really interesting ball game you know just everything you'd expect division rival kind of game it it had some of that edge to it the Steelers really had this bend and don't break thing going on defense where they let up way too many rushing yards right you know you're going to give up rushing yards against the Ravens Kurt but to give up what was it 265 or whatever it was on the ground it was just out of control how many rushing yards they allowed but they also forced mistakes on Lamar Jackson forcing the fumbles, the interceptions, and those goal line stands late in the game as, as Lamar's trying to will the Ravens to that victory late. I mean, what do you think about the D? They kind of held on for dear life, and it was kind of a bend and don't break kind of thing, but they keep winning games like that. And if you think about it, it all had to do with the scheme. They were shorthanded on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyson Alualu got hurt. Isaiah Bugs played terribly until the very end of the game in his place, but it was it was the way the Steelers used the scheme, and I've gone back and rewatched the game or most of it at least twice now since Sunday. And if you think about the big plays on defense, Robert Spillane gets an interception, Alex Highsmith gets an interception. Those are those are interceptions that are created by the scheme, not by the player necessarily. They they were masking where their pressure was coming from. They were confusing Lamar Jackson as to where players were going to be in zone. They were using a lot of mixed zone and man. And I think they really had him confused. I think especially the way that the Steelers approach covering Marquise Brown really threw Lamar Jackson off. He never could get him the football. You know, they, he got the touchdown. But other than that, he never was able to really get a good clean look at Marquise Brown during the game. You know, and I think that was great. And finally, you just saw the defensive front just kind of wear out the Baltimore front with those injuries. You, know, you hate to see it. The, you know, the Ravens lost two starters on the offensive line during the game you lose Ronnie Stanley I mean it's uh, th- that's tough but they held their own for a long time and it wasn't until that last quarter or so that they really started to kind of uh, Pittsburgh kind of started to, to lean on them a little bit and and wear that front down but the rushing yards I mean I think I, I read somewhere that only two teams that rushed for more than 250 yards have ever lost a game in NFL history, I think there were like 150 some games. It's unbelievable. And, and only twice have they actually lost. And if you look at it, I mean, I think the Steelers ran 52 offensive plays and the, the Ravens ran 87 offensive plays. Their time of possession was well in their favor. I mean, everything worked. If you just were to read the box score, you would have assumed that Baltimore would have won that game going away. When you turn the ball over five times, 
you just you can't win like that. I mean, there's just no that's, you know, and Pittsburgh took those turnovers and turned them into points. Both interceptions got seven on. And, you know, you just can't turn the ball over that much and expect to win no matter how good you are. Pittsburgh was very fortunate the week before they had three interceptions and still won the game. But yeah, Baltimore, Pittsburgh just found a way to keep taking the football away and, and stop and drives that way. And as Big Ben said after the game, it's not like beautiful wins like, you know, the 2007 Patriots or anything. This is ugly, yeah. kind of yeah. grind it out, like find a way and every single every yeah. single game is different. There's always different guys stepping up, whether it's Spillane or, or Claypool or whoever it is. Somebody's going to make a play at the end and it's just it's just sweet. So uh, much more to get to and uh, a milestone victory for Mike Tomlin. I think he's got a lot to do with this. He, he runs a real good program and I want to talk about that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Welcome to week number nine. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for your fantasy football lineups. All four of these guys are a little bit on the risky side, but that's where we're at this time of the year. Quarterback Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders, at the Los Angeles Chargers. Carr is quietly on pace for his best fantasy football season to date, even after a lousy Week 8 game. The Raiders are getting healthier, and the quarterback position has averaged 25.8 fantasy points per game this year against the Bulls. Five quarterbacks have gone for at least 20 points, and three have gone for 24 or more, in the last four contests alone. Jets running back LaMichael Pirine should see a pretty healthy workload against the New England Patriots. It probably won't be pretty in terms of yardage, but there's a hint of upside here as a flex play with a player who faces a defense that has given up seven rushing touchdowns on the year. And what's maybe even more alarming is five of them were over just the past two contests. There's hope here for a situational football break to go Pirine's way. Another rookie, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos at the Atlanta Falcons. He saw 10 targets last week and and he has averaged nearly seven looks per game when Drew Locke has started all four contests. While the touchdowns haven't been there, this could change in week nine. Atlanta has given up five touchdowns in five games and eight on the entire season. The matchup is a little better suited for PPR volume, though, which is another reason why you should get them in your lineup. Finally, tight end Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have given up six touchdowns to the position in eight games, helping create four performances of at least 17.8 PPR points. Keep in mind this could be a risky situation, especially seeing as there's so many weapons for Seattle to spread the ball around. We saw last week Olsen can get lost in the shuffle in a hurry. He has an intriguing risk-reward decision with several prized fantasy tight ends either hurt or underperforming. For more fantasy football information, news, and advice, check out thehuddle.com. So this is a really cool story, Kurt. Mike Tomlin becoming the winningest black head coach in NFL history, passing Tony Dungy. He's got 140 wins. His record's 140, 71, and 1. That one tie being that weird game against the Browns uh, a couple of years ago. We'll never yeah. forget that one. We'll never forget it. 140, 71, and 1 all time. He's never had a losing record. And when you talk about like the pantheon of head coaches currently right now, like the Belichicks, the Pete Carrolls, the Andy Reeds, the guys that you will automatically put at the top of the list. I don't think Mike Tomlin is automatically ever on the top of that list when you talk to like the national guys or, or anyone. In, in, in a typical conversation, I think people tend to leave Tomlin off that list. And why do you think that is? Maybe he can't hold Belichick's jock in terms of like X's and O's or whatever. But in terms of like running a football program, he's pretty good. He's one of the best to do it. And, and I think you you nailed it. I think the fact that he's never been known as a an offensive mind or a defensive mind he's a motivator of men, you know, he's a, you know, it's, it's fitting that he passed Tony Dungy because he's, he's a similar kind of guy in the sense that 
players will do anything for him. You know, they all say it. Everybody that's ever played for the Steelers, aside from probably Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, right. come, come back and say, yeah, you know, but, but even think about that. Think about how he managed those two personalities sure. for as long as he did and still kept that team competitive. I, I think that it's, it's really unfortunate that, that he doesn't get the national attention he, he should get probably. But I think if you were to ask him, he would probably give you one of his typical cliches about about not caring about that and and that doesn't matter to him and you know on to the next week and whatever it may be but yeah i mean he, i think the fact that he doesn't he doesn't do anything necessarily innovative um he's always had great coordinators who've gotten a lot of credit for the work they've done he had dick lebeau running his defense for all those years yeah. he's had bruce arians and ken wisenhunt run his offense and now, you know, the talk all is about Matt Canada coming in and the changes he's made. You got to keep in mind that Tomlin's the one assembled those squads. You know, he keeps those guys there. And so you've got to you got to give him some credit for the fact that maybe he's not the best at innovative game. You know, he's not a McVeigh or whatever and going to have this innovative play design and all these sorts of things. But he brings in the guys that can get it done. And I think that he he probably does deserve more credit for that. You know, the fact that they are competitive every year and and they don't have losing records, but at the same time, the Steelers haven't had a real good playoff record in recent years. I think that hurts him. Sure. I think the fact that he can he's he's stayed very competitive in the regular season, but they they haven't advanced in the playoffs in the last I think three trips to the playoffs or whatever. Um, that hurts him. Big picture, I think. You know, you can go back and look at those playoff years, and one year um, Antonio Brown got hurt, one year Le'Veon Bell got hurt in the playoffs. I mean, there were lots of things that factored into that. Um, a lot of times they just had to play the Patriots, and that's a problem for them historically. You face those kinds of things, but even among the fan base, I mean, there's a lot of Steelers fans that don't give Tomlin the respect he deserves. I mean, there are guys that will call for his job the first game they lose this year. They will find something wrong. There, I have so many people that that I that follow me on Twitter and that are, are re- regular readers and commenters that I know they are just waiting for the opportunity to say, "See, I told you so." Tomlin can't do it. They're just they're just waiting on it. That's who they are. We'll look across the league. Some of these teams that bring in a new coach, <laughs> Dallas oh. Cowboys. Some of these teams, you know, are just are really struggling. And the and the Steelers could fall back on their program. And one thing that I wonder, Kurt, is like is the fact that Tomlin is kind of a he's an interesting guy. Like I like listening to his pressers because he's so it, he's a different kind of cat, man. Yeah. He's just different. The way he talks, the way he like phrases, yeah. the way he answers a question is just different. It's just like it's just very unique to Tomlin. And he could be kind of a soundbite, right, for like radio shows and stuff. Like guys will clip a Tomlin thing and like play it over and over because it's funny the way he talks and yeah. the way he like he just doesn't he doesn't sound like bill belichick or andy reed like you're kind of always watching to see like how's tomlin going to answer this one you know you really never know yeah. i wonder if that works against him in the national eye a little bit the fact that he is a little bit he's a little goofy he is he's a he little is. goofy in, in, a, in a great way though in a great way yeah he is. I mean, he is, his Tomlinisms, as, yeah, as yeah, Steelers, is, Steelers fans love to call it. There was a bingo card that was floating around the Internet where you could see how many, you know, we don't live in our fear. The standard is the standard. There it is. Yeah. Um, you know, get back into the lab. I mean, he just has all these phrases that he's known for. Fight for every blade of grass. You know, there's just all these things that he says. But his players 
all, I mean, if you listen to their interviews, you know, you see some of these players that do these interviews and they let their emotions get to them, whether it's a win or a loss. It's kind of like, well, you, you know, as a Patriots fan under Bill Belichick, you know, you never saw him kind of get out of hand in interviews and they all kind of followed that company line when sure. it came to how they presented themselves. Yep. That's the, that's a very similar culture to what Mike Tallman has created. And I think that's what made it hard toward the end for with people like Antonio Brown on the team who just would go off script and just say whatever. And that didn't fit really with kind of how, how things are expected, but you can hear like you hear James Conner do an interview or you hear Ben Roethlisberger do an interview. It's the same kind of things. It's the same kind of, you know, it gets a little repetitive at times. If you listen to him week after week after week, I've joked sometimes it's like robot Mike Tomlin. Like he could just send a, a robot up there to answer the questions and no one would know it wasn't him because he's just going to say the same kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's what they want. You know, no distractions, never get too high, never get too low. Um, he's very rare. It's very rare that he's going to heap praise on a player after a game. Um, Isaiah Bugs made those two big plays at the end of the game and they asked him about it after the game. And he said, well, it was about time he made those plays because he hadn't done anything right till then. <laughs> and, you know, and we didn't we it wasn't like we wanted to play him. I mean, that's literally what Mike Tomlin said in the inter, in the post game that he's like, it wasn't like we wanted him out there. We didn't have a choice. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's good that he never lets the egos kind of take over. And, yeah. and he's my coach. I mean, I know that Steelers fans are spoiled because we had Bill Cowher for so long. We had Chuck Knoll for so long. And now we've had Mike Tomlin for, for just as long, you yeah, know, forever. And it's longer than you think it's yeah. You don't realize it's 14 seasons or whatever that he's been around now. And, and I think that a lot of them, a lot of the old school fans look at Chuck Knoll winning four Super Bowls. I think Mike Tomlin kind of gets dinged a little bit because he won that Super Bowl early in his career. A lot of people said he did it with, Bill Cowher's roster mm-hmm. went back to the Super Bowl a few years later and got beat and has never really gotten close since. But that's the expectations of Steelers fans. They're not happy with ten and six and and making the playoffs every year. That's not a Super Bowl. They're they're bitter about and uh, it's it's unfortunate that he doesn't really get the leeway that a lot of coaches do in the NFL. Mike Tomlin's about Kurt. He's about to have twice as many wins as he has losses. He's getting close to that number. And and I think when we look at the schedule, he's got a chance to do that this year, to have Mm -hmm. twice as many wins in his career with the Steelers than losses. That's a pretty neat little trick. And as I said, Steelers fans who might be waiting for that first Tomlin loss so they can call for his head, they might be waiting for a little while. Let's look at the Steelers' schedule and talk about their next opponent here, the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's talk about that and what the Steelers have in front of them in their pursuit for the one bye week in the AFC playoffs. We'll talk about that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 9 Sunday Night Football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs, they're 6-2 coming in. Five and a half point favorites, minus 110 odds. The Saints, 5-2, plus 5.5 underdogs, minus 110 odds again. Big NFC South battle. Bucks come in in first place. Jeff, 
can they hold on against New Orleans Saints? Everyone's down on Drew Brees right now, and it feels a little ageist to me. Old man Drew is seventh in the league in QBR, and he hasn't had his two best weapons on the field for most of the year. Speaking of which, he should be getting back wide receiver uh, Michael Thomas, who is the reigning offensive player of the year. And the Saints' defense has improved, and they've even invested here at the trade deadline by acquiring former San Francisco 49ers linebacker Quan Alexander. Give me the Saints plus the points. I'm taking the Bucks. I like them. You're talking about Michael Thomas coming back. Antonio Brown's debut for the Buccaneers. That Bucks defense looking great as well. Second in the NFL with 28 sacks. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcasts on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. So this is interesting, Kurt. We're recording on Tuesday night, as I said earlier, and the, the, we don't know who the uh, Steelers are going to face for the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, the young kid Tanuti, who's from James Madison, the subdivision. They play UNH, which I'm, I live like 10 miles from the University of New Hampshire campus. That's who UNH plays in football, JMU. Yeah. <laughs> Danucci's <laughs> from the FCS, and he started. I think Danucci should have started uh, week four of the preseason. That That's kind of when he should be starting a game, not week eight against the Eagles in a division rivalry game on Sunday night football. Yeah, he kind of had a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of had a tough time. It sounds like he might not even be the starter, and it might not even be Andy Dalton, right? Right. It sounds like uh, they're going to give Garrett Gilbert and Cooper Rush practice reps and sort it out between the two of them as, to, as to who's going to play the play against the best pass rush in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, so. get ready to feast Steelers defense. Well, I mean, Gilbert and Rush, I, I just was doing a little digging on them, and they're a combined three for nine for 42 yards career between the two of them, and <laughs> 40 of those came on one throw by Garrett Gilbert. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i not sure that any of those guys, you know, I mean, I'm sure they all want to get out there and get a start in the NFL, but I'm not sure this is where they'd want to have their first start. But No, this is scary. This is yeah. You don't want to go against this defense and the way they get after it. So this is interesting. I mean, this is shaping up to be a layup here. This game in Dallas that before the season looked like it was going to be a tough game. We don't know what the line is because we don't know who the quarterback is yeah. yet for the for the Cowboys. But what would you handicap this game at? I mean, I was talking to Katie Drummond, the Cowboys wire editor. He thinks it's going to be fifteen. 15 and a half, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he thinks if it's I was anything below like that, nine and a half. Okay. So Katie uh, does not think it's going to be that low. Yeah. That sounds like it. No, I was thinking, I think a couple of, a couple of kind of shady books had him open at nine and a half right off the bat and then pulled it. So, I mean, that sounds pretty fair to me, but I just, I can't imagine a 15 point spread in the NFL. I don't know how often that happens, but man, that doesn't well, doesn't sound right. Did you did you see the Chiefs spread against the Jets last week? That's true. That's true. <laughs> it was 19 and a half or whatever it was. That's true. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of game we're looking at, but it's not just this week. I like the Bengals. I do like the Bengals. They're on the come. They just beat the Titans, and I do think Joey Burrow can play. That kid's really good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Steelers get the Bengals at home in two weeks. Then they go over to play Jacksonville, who are they look like they're going to start a new quarterback. They're they're set, yep. uh, sixth or seventh round draft pick. They're Themselves. Yep. So you've got a couple, these next three games for the Steelers, including the Bengals at home, very, very winnable. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. this is shaping up like the Steelers could easily be 10-0 and coming into that home game against the Ravens, the rematch. Yeah. I mean, and that, it, it, that's it, pretty sweet. And that's where, that's, that's where they need to be. Well, that's what we talked about after the Titans game, you know, that if they can come out of that, you know, this five game or six game little pack they have here before they travel to the Bills in December. I think that's the good game. six games. Yeah. I mean, you got, you had the Ravens twice and then you have four real winnable ones, you know, after they play the Ravens at home, then they get Washington at home. I mean, if they could, if they could be 11 and one 
heading into that Bills game, I mean, that'd be amazing. You know, even if they did drop that one to the Ravens, it wouldn't shock me at all. After beating the Ravens at home, they come back to Pittsburgh and kind of lay an egg a little bit. It's reasonable. At some, yeah, I, and at some point, fatigue's going to set in for these guys. I mean, they, they didn't get a bye week. You know, they got three days. The, the, the team isn't terribly deep at a lot of positions on defense, and I think eventually you're going to see some rotation in these next three games where obviously anybody can beat anybody in a given week. But I think these next three games are going to tell a lot about some of these reserves on the defensive line, some of these reserves at linebacker, cornerback. Get those guys some reps, see what they can do. Let your starters get, maybe get a little extended. You know, maybe, maybe you adjust the rotation just enough that Cam Hayward doesn't have to play 95% of the defensive snaps and Stephon Tuitt doesn't have to play, you know, 88% of the defensive snaps that we can, we can get those guys into the 60 and 70% for a couple of games just to save a little tread on the tires for when that Ravens game. And then you've got the bills, you know, they've got to play the Colts. They've got to play the Browns again. And so there's some tough ones at the end. No doubt there. No doubt. I mean, and they got to go to Cincy in that in there yeah, too yeah and back-to-back road games at buffalo at cincy so in that stretch after the ravens game and even if they do drop that they go to the buffalo game at 11 and 1 you look at at buffalo at cincy home against the colts at the browns tough to see them winning all four of those games right so right, i mean right. we're looking at i think you picked 13 and 3 last week yeah. right that's, yeah. that's where you're at i'm yeah. not sure if that's gonna be enough to overtake the chiefs for the number one seed they're gonna have to try to get to at yeah. least 14 and 2 i think so that's gonna be interesting yeah. to see if they can get there yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if Kansas City's going to lose another game. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. Honestly, probably not. If they can count on Mahomes getting five touchdowns and four hundred yards a game, I don't care how bad their defense is. They're going to beat most of those teams on their schedule. So they like playing the Jets. No, there's no yeah. doubt about that. They like playing <laughs> who the does, Jets. Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for my Patriots. They're supposed to. They play the Jets twice. We finally get the Jets this week. I've been waiting all there year. There you go. I've been waiting all there year. There you go. It. If we're going to yell at the Steelers, let it be against like Joe Burrow or something. Like, yeah. not against this Cowboys outfit. Please, yeah. please do not. Exactly. Steelers Nation. Do not make us come back here and talk about you losing to the Cowboys next week. Yeah. That's that's talk all I ask. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to talk about how great Cooper Rush played. Oh, I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to happen. The Steelers defense are going to it's going to eat him alive. They're going to eat him alive. So. <sighs> anyway, Kurt, appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, thanks. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.